Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. I want to talk to you this morning about the kingdom culture versus the culture of kings. I want to speak to you about that this morning with the intention of lifting you up, encouraging you, firing you up, and calling you out and calling you up. And I'm preaching to myself at the same time. Because like the Apostle Paul said, I have not yet apprehended, but as I taught the women on Friday night, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. So I'm with you in the journey. We're together on the race. But we're in this thing of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And there is a kingdom culture that comes with that, that trumps every other kind of culture. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Well, so what does God have to say about it? Well, in Isaiah 31, 4, he says, this is what the Lord says to me. As a lion growls, a great lion over its prey, and though a whole band of shepherds is called together against it, it is not frightened by their shout or disturbed by their clamor. Do you think the Lord is disturbed by the shout of the world or the clamor and the chaos of the world? Whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom? It's not the kingdom of this world. It's the kingdom of heaven. He's not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. So the Lord Almighty will come down to do battle on Mount Zion and on its heights. So many times we talk about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And boy, don't we worship the Lamb. And we sing to that Lamb, I will follow I will follow the Lamb wherever He leads me. I will follow the Lamb. Sing it with me. I will follow. I will follow the Lamb. Wherever he leads me, I will follow the lamb. But I'm talking to you about the lion today. I'm talking to you about the one who roars. Psalm 2 says this, the Messiah's triumph in his kingdom. Why do the nations rage? And why do the people plot or imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And this is what they say. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens will what? Ha, 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 ha. Laugh. He will have them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath 
and distressed them in his deep displeasure. Then God says, yet I have set my king. I want to ask you this morning, do you know my king? Do you know my king? Do you know the king that resides in your home and the kingdom of God that's within you? Do you know my king? Do you know the one who never slumbers or sleeps? Do you know the one that picks you up when you fall? Do you know the king that puts down his scepter and says, come into my presence? My son has made access for you boldly. Do you know my king who says to me, I want you to ask and I want you to ask big. Do you know my king that says, don't you worry about going over there. I'm going with you and before you and beside you and behind you and all around you. Do you know my king? Oh, I'm so glad. Because if we know the same king, then we're all right. We're God's people. We're the citizens of heaven. You might be citizens of Canada, but there's a greater citizenship. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. The nations, he says to me, ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance. I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking. Am I the only one asking? You better open up your mouth and ask for the right thing. Ask for the nations, not just here in Canada, but all over the world. Ask for the nations, he says, and I'll give them as an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron and you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. That's the kingdom. It's not destroying people, it's destroying the adversary and those who rise up. I heard the Lord say today that he comes to us with authority. He comes to us with power, with might. He comes to us with a fresh anointing. How many of you want a fresh anointing in your life? We need that fresh anointing to come and to envelop us so we can bring down what God wants to bring down and we can raise up what God wants to raise up. Hallelujah, are you out there? Let me hear you. Are you out there? Okay, God is giving you authority and his anointing to bring down those principalities and powers and to raise up the kingdom of heaven that his kingdom might come here on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. I think I'm the only one getting blessed here, Pastor. You know I'm teasing you. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, you know, Matthew 13 gives us a clear example of that. All the parables are taught there that Jesus was saying, you want to know what the kingdom, and well, first of all, I have to say, the kingdom of heaven is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh-uh. You cannot give me anything else that will satisfy me more than righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? That's what the kingdom of heaven is. But Jesus was giving them 
parables of what the kingdom of heaven, you're familiar with them. He talks about the parable of the sower. First, he talks about sowing out the seed. And then he says, later on and after in the next chapter, he tells the disciples, the sons of God are the seed. Huh? He's the seed, capital S. He is the capital S seed, but we are the seed. And he sows us into the earth for himself. That's what Hosea, the prophet, said to Israel. God says to you, I'm going to sow you in the earth for myself. And you will no longer call me master. You will call me husband. Because see, he's always wanted a relationship. It's not just a stewardship. It's a relationship. A covenant. So we have the parable of the sower. Then we have the parable of the tears. You know, you go to bed one night. Everything is all good. You wake up and you got weeds in your life. Where did this stuff come from? Who sowed that? An enemy of the kingdom of heaven came and sowed some tears in your life. And that's where you got to be wise. I'm going to go pull them up. I'm going to go pull them up and get them out. You have to be very careful because when you pull up the bad, you also pull up the good. So Jesus said, at the end times, the angels will distinguish who gets to go to the kingdom of heaven and those that are cast into burning flames of fire. That's what his word says. Then we know about the parable of the mustard seed. So if you're dealing with a physical oppression or a diagnosis this morning, and you have battled and battled, and you can't see the light of day for the suffering that you have endured, I want you to know you don't have to have buckets full of faith. You don't have to have pools full of faith. You don't have to have the Atlantic Ocean full of faith. You don't have to have Lake Ontario-sized faith. All you need is a mustard seed, which is the tiniest little seed. If that's you this morning, I want you to stand right where you are. And we're going to watch virtue come to you from the Lord on high. If that's you this morning, come on, be bold, stand up, and ask the Lord for what you need today. This is the day that we have to ask big, not little. And we have to ask specifically, not little marginally. You only need a little bit of faith, but your need can be big. So Father God, we are the people, the sheep of your pasture. And Lord, you see your servants standing here right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, because of the blood of your son and the obedience that he had and the joy that was set before him, which was us, he endured the shame. He endured the beating. He endured his beard being plucked out to where they couldn't even recognize him. He endured be lifted up on that cross. He endured the penetration of the nails in his hands and in his feet. He endured all of that so that he could overcome death. He could overcome sickness. He could overcome everything that would seek to destroy your people. So we declare boldly the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, Father God, recreate their bodies right now. Recreate their bodies. Cause their bodies, all of the body 
bodies that are here to come into divine order because of your blood. We are children of the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. And we declare that today. And our expectation is that that blood is effectually still working. It's efficacious on our behalf. It has not stopped working. It's not one application. It's not two applications. It's as many applications as we need. So Father, we cry out to you today. Let your blood heal your people and let virtue go out today. In the name of Jesus, organ situation, blood situations, bone situations, hip situations, eye situations, ear situations, mouth situations, feet situations, hand situations, in the name of Jesus. And where the body has turned on itself, as for viruses and cancer, we declare Jesus. And we say, be healed. Lord, I believe. I want you to say that with me. Lord, I believe. And I receive. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Praise God. God is working. He's 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 working. He is working, working, working it. And I say, God, work it. Work it, God. How about the parable of the leaven? He was telling the disciples, beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. A little bit of that religious spirit a little bit of that self-righteousness. But at the same time, there's the antonym of that, that the leaven of the gospel comes and it overtakes everything. Isn't that right? Then we have the parable of the hidden treasure that a man went out in the field and he was just working in the field. He didn't own the field. Say with me, he didn't own the field. And when he was working out in that field, his little axe or his shovel or his plow struck something. And he went down and he looked. And all of a sudden, there was a treasure. So the man, I'm just imagining, put all the dirt back. Like the chipmunk or the squirrel when they bury the walnut in your flower planter. Those little sneaky things. They look right at you. They look around like they're human. Like, is anybody seeing me? And they dig a little hole. And then what kills me, like a human being, they put it back and then they go, like as if they have hands. Have you ever seen that? Yes. They're so human looking when they look around and they make sure and they bury their little treasure. That man went and he bought that field. He sold everything that he had to buy that that had that treasure. And he became wealthy. Do you know how rich we are? I was reading this afresh and anew a couple of years ago. And the Lord spoke to me. What I found I can never give up or deny you, oh Christ, 
are the treasure, the pearl of great price. So I give you away, share every day, like a seed that's sown in the ground. Till your kingdom has come, your will has been done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Till your kingdom has come, your will has been done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, come down. Heaven, come down. Come and fill the treasure of heaven as you come here. whom I have found to give all to whom I have found heaven come down heaven come down fill the fields with the treasure of heaven as you come here treasure that we have found and each of you have a story of how you found the person of Jesus Christ and you found the treasure that never fades away that saves you that heals you and that promises you you have a ticket to the presence of God to meet father son and holy ghost face to face but my feeling is this why should I wait when now I can touch him? Why should I wait to love him? Why should I wait when now I can touch him? Why should I wait to love him? So I'm excited about where we're going, right? But I ain't waiting to get there before I love on my Savior. And I know you're not waiting either. We're going to love on him now. He's a lovable, lovable God. He's so good. Tell your neighbor, do you know the Lord is good? Now I want you to tell your other neighbor, do you know the Lord is good to me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I want you to look at your neighbor again and say, I declare the Lord is good to you. Hallelujah. So we're all in the good boat. You know the parable of the pearl. There was a man who was a collector, a businessman of pearls, buying fine pearls. And he had already bought some, but then he came upon this pearl. You know that old hymn? I found the pearl of gray. Price. My heart to sing for joy. 
my heart does sing for joy and sing I must for Christ have I. Oh, what a Christ have I, hallelujah. Oh, what a Christ have I, Sabina. Oh, what a Christ have I. Those who you lead worship, a good scribe pulls out of the old and the new. And if you got to do it, you say, oh, what a Christ have I, have I. 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 We think we invented hip hop. Let me tell you, God invented hip hop. He's been hipping and hopping for a lot of ancient years. He's the God of all genres. And I love all musical genres. I certainly do. I love them. I love them. I love them. Yeah, thank you. Except Willie Nelson. I don't know. Wrong genre. The parable of the drawing in of the net of catching fish. So we know all these parables. So what is the distinction? We just talked about what does the kingdom of heaven look like? What does the culture of the kingdom look like? It looks like that. I have to add to it. It looks like transformation. That we have to be like him. We have to have his divine nature. Peter spoke about this in his epistle. He has given us all things that lead to godliness. Because we're supposed to be transformed into his image. We were created in his image, but there's a transformation of the spirit of man to be like Christ. We are changed from glory to glory. Sometimes it doesn't feel so glorious. But the end result is glorious. When God is changing and transforming us. So... When we talk about the kingdom culture, we know it means becoming like Christ. Be, being changed into his image. Having his divine nature of love. Having his divine nature of honoring Father. We know that it's not just these parables, but those are actions and the way that we should value. So what does culture mean? Well, I want to tell you, inside we dig deeply into values like God is good, salvation creates joyful identity, Jesus empowers supernatural ministry, God is still speaking, amen, amen, his kingdom is advancing, not retreating, hello, some of you got your tail tucked between your legs, God's taking it out so you can run forward. Hope in a glorious church and more. We owe the world an encounter with God. So where is the contention and where is the fight and where is the divide? Well, look what's happening in the world today. You know, the Lord said that we would have perilous times would come in the last days. We have chaos and all kinds of things occurring out there. We have nations. It's no longer rumors of war. It is actually war that is occurring. We know that Russia has invaded Ukraine. And people are being destroyed and killed. 
We know that there's attempts to take other people out of other countries and other nations. So it's no longer rumors, it's going on. And we're in these last days. I want you to tell your neighbor, you were born for this day. And I am so happy that we're born for this day. But we're seeing things that sometimes are frightening and are scary. But the word of God says, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will be clear to you and remain. And his kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So don't be shook up. Don't be shaken up by what you see happening and what you hear. It's sad, but remember, you belong to the kingdom of heaven. You're not in the culture of the kings. You're not there. So what does that mean? Let's talk about it. Christian identity over racial identity. You say, what does that mean? That means when it comes to the kingdom, it's not about skin. It's about spirit. Now, it's about spirit. And we have to be careful not to get captured into the cultural wars that are going on racially. Do we want to see all people have the same rights, the same treatment? Of course we do. We're all God's children. Must we go back to Sunday school? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. But don't get captured into the culture war of kings and start taking up old offenses and things that God has brought healing in your life about. You hear what I'm telling you? This church is named all peoples for a reason. Because all peoples are here of nations and kindreds and tribes. Now, don't misunderstand me. I said it in the morning church, in the morning service. Hey, look it. We have different kinds of people. But it's not about the skin. It's about the spirit. Now, I want you to tell your neighbor next to you, and by the way, I do like your food. Let me break it down to where you get it. You see, we love each other's food. Give me a Jamaican patty any day. Give me a patty. I want a patty. How about arroz con pollo? Yo me gusta arroz con pollo. Rice with chicken. How about frijoles negros con arroz? Let the Cuban come out. Huh? Black beans and rice. How about wonton soup? Hey. General Chow's spicy beef. Bring it to me. Come on now. It takes people to have all that creativity to make all that delicious food. But we cannot get caught up in the cultures of the kings of this earth. We have to stand with the kingdom of heaven. And no, it's not a skin issue. It's a spirit issue. Are we Christians? Yes or no? Hallelujah. Let's talk about the creator's design over man's choice and mutilation. I said this morning, yeah, I'm going there. I am going there. We cannot accept that ever and ever and ever and ever. Because when it gets down to it, let me tell you, please forgive my frankness and my crassness. But 
you can change your body parts, but your blood still says you're a male or a female. Your blood still says you're a male or a female. You say, you're being harsh. No, now, now I'm going to talk about this, okay? We're going to talk about this. Jesus loved me when I was a sinner in my wickedness, and he forgave me. And this is the problem where we get captured. We have to know that truth. You cannot sell the truth. You cannot compromise the truth and be sloppy agape. You got to be bold and strong with this love. And you've got to remember mercy. Because the Lord remembered mercy for you. So you know what we do as Christians with issues like this? We get into the culture war. We get into the war of kings. And we don't stick with the kingdom of heaven. And so we tell people, you know, you're going to die. God didn't make it. Well, that might be true if they continue in that way. But let me tell you, this is a principle. Do not confront sin and darkness until love and mercy have gone in first. Love and mercy and patience and caring come in first. Do you understand? Because you have to win a platform to entreat them, to appeal to them, appeal to them, to tell them that there's an answer, that God loves them, that their life has value. And that nothing can separate them from the love of God. Not any height, not any depth, not any sin. Nothing can separate you. God loves you. He loves you right now. Oh, no, he doesn't. You don't know. You don't know what I do. I'm not like you. I'm not straight. That doesn't change. God still loves you. He's not condoning what you're doing, but he loves you. You got to understand it. You, you understand it? It's like a father who loves a son or a daughter. You don't stop loving your son or daughter because they're doing something wrong, do you? Do you hate them? You love them, even when they're failing to choose the right way. And this is the truth. Love wins out. So love will always win out. So the creator's design has to be about what he established. And see, we need to understand that when we were created, we were created in his image. The animals weren't created in his image. God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, back there in Genesis, he said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, make man in our image. And what it is, it's a defilement, and it's destroying the image of God when we mess around with this vessel and we change it according to contrary according to the design of God. God is our creator. He created me. He created me a woman. I'm thankful. I don't want to be a man. God created my husband a man, and I am so thankful. <laughs> Do we condemn people that live a different lifestyle? No, we don't. We love them. We have to love them, be merciful to them. But when it comes to you and they ask you, do you accept me and what I'm doing? 
I love you. You're a child of God. But I do not believe in your lifestyle. I love you. You're my neighbor. And it's important to me that you know that I love you. You say, they won't accept your love. Eventually they will. Because you see, my love is unconditional. Their love is based on the condition that I have to approve of what they do. And it's militant. And angry. Usurping. Rebellious. Murderous. That's the truth. But see, we can't be afraid. We have to love them. So you see how easy it is to get on the wrong side. I want to read this to you so you understand about being on the wrong side. There is, uh, I don't have the, I didn't write this, I'm reading it. It says, we must distinguish the serpent from his prey. This is why we seek to convert our opponents, not own or destroy them. We seek their rescue, not their ruin. As we've seen, winsomeness is not a strategy for cultural engagement. As if we could win cultural arguments simply by being nice. But lest we forget, we are deeply invested in winning over our opponents. As Augustine taught, we stand against the world for the good of the world. For the good of the gospel. You see, there's a difference. I'm here to encourage you. Don't be discouraged by your child who's confused. Don't be discouraged by your grandson or your granddaughter that has taken in the lie of liberalism that's being fed worldwide. Don't be disheartened. I know it's hard, but you just keep praying and you just keep loving and they will come back to that place where God wants them to be. They will return. They will return. Biblical truth. Biblical truth. Buy the truth and sell it not over social invention. We've talked about some social inventions. What other social inventions will they be? Are we going to now convert to social invention and culture wars? Or are we going to remember that we're citizens of heaven and we belong to the eternal kingdom? There's a kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. Jesus taught us to pray in his priestly prayer. Pray like this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth that is in heaven. So I want that kingdom to be here. I don't want to wait. I want it to be here. And I see it here. I see it here at all peoples. Honoring one another. Honorable service over self-promotion. The whole world is you first after me. You first after me. You first after me. You first after me. Don't I sound so nice? God says, put others before you. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Right? God says that we have to be people of honor, honoring the kingdom of heaven, and preferring and loving others above ourselves. Yes, that means they get the last chocolate chip cookie. They get the last piece of tiramisu. If they don't eat it, don't you eat it. You leave it there. Right? Right. Amen? Amen. 
So we have to have that honorable service. Jesus talked to the disciples about this. They were even arguing amongst themselves, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus gave them the example. He went to take a bowl and a towel and water to wash his disciples' feet. And Peter says, what are you doing? If you're the Messiah, I'm thinking, he's thinking, okay? If you're the Messiah, you can't be doing this servitude thing. No, 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 no. No, you cannot wash my feet. And then Jesus says to him, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Peter wisely said, wash my head too. <laughs> he was in. He was all in. Into the kingdom of heaven. That's what it looks like. How about unity of believers over unanimity? That means each of us have to think the same thing. Each of us have convictions. Each of us have opinions and many of them and, and each of us have our own methodologies and ways those those can be different you understand what I mean but when it comes to the kingdom of God I'm sorry it is black and white you've got those 10 commandments right there you have to love your neighbor as yourself love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength that's those are say it with me non-negotiables say it with me non-negotiables but the idea that we have to all be alike and think alike, we don't all have to be alike. But when it comes to the word of God and the culture of the kingdom, that has to be alike. That can't be compromised. You can't water that down. That has to be his way, not your way, not my way, his way. The decision was already made. The choice was already made. The way of the Lord was already established for us. We can't come along and say, well, I'm just going to do it this way. I think God is all right with it. And I'm seeing this happen all over. It's young people and even elderly people. I shared this morning that there's a pastor who founded a church, was in ministry for 40-something years. His wife died, was a widower, and it came to the time that he was lonely. So he wanted to marry this woman. But there was a problem. She wasn't a believer. So he talked to his children. This guy is like 80, right? And he's alone and he's lonely. He says, I'm going to marry her. Can I have your blessing? They said, Dad, she doesn't profess Jesus. How can you marry her? He says, I'm going to marry her. No, you can't marry her, Dad, until she accepts the Lord. So then this wonderful man of God, righteous man of God, and I would say that's just gotten old and he's lost his mind. So we told them, well, we're not going to have a, a wedding ceremony with a license. What we're going to do is we're just going to have, you know, certain ceremony, but we're not really going to get married. And now this righteous man who founded a church, pastoring over 40 years, is living with a woman. Let me tell you something. You know what the trend is for the young people today? Can you do the ceremony for us? But we're, we're going to be married in the eyes of God and the eyes of our family. But we're not going to bring a marriage license because I will lose some of the benefits that I get. Is money a greater benefit than the blessing of God? Elderly people are doing the same. Well, I don't want to marry her because then I won't get my social security. We'll only get one social security in our country. Wake up! What kingdom are you of? We're of the kingdom of heaven. We're of the kingdom of heaven. 
So we have to come to the unity of believers based on the word of God, the blood of Jesus. How about faith-filled lamps over fearful lamps? Over fearful lamps. What do you mean by that? Well, the scripture in Isaiah says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That's what he says. We can't be afraid. We cannot be afraid. We have to speak the truth in love. I'm going to tell you a story. We like stories, don't we? So I went to the Dominican Republic with Pastor Shu to minister at a conference. And the first night, we stayed at this one resort until we could, because we traveled from up here in Toronto, until we could get to the location later the next day of where the conference was. So it was time for us to go to dinner. And we were talking about what the Lord was saying to us. And this man interrupts a conversation. We're about to go into dinner and the pool and all the people were over here, several pools. And he says, excuse me, excuse me. Now you have to understand something. I pray every time I go somewhere Please send me someone that I can share you with. Because I teach so much in the salt shaker. I want to be salt out there. I said, so please, Lord. See, many of you, where you minister is where you work. My work is in the church. Your work is out there, but that's your ministry. That's your ministry where you are to share Christ with your co-labors. So my private prayer is, Lord, please. Bring to me somebody who needs you, who doesn't know you. So this brother, he says, excuse me, excuse me. And I, we look at him at the same time. He goes, are you Christian? He says, uh, are you, no, are you missionaries? Like that. Are you missionaries? I said, and Pastor Sue and I said at the same time, yes, we are. He said, you're missionaries? And he looked at me. He said, you're a missionary? I said, yes, I am. He said, I want to have an argument with you. That's what he said to me. Pastor Sue can tell you this happened. This happened in the fall. And so I said, look, I I don't have any time for arguments. He said, no, 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 please, please. He said, can can we just sit down for a minute? And I said to the Lord, Lord, is this a chump or what? Do I sit with this guy or do I go? You know, and he said, no, you asked for him. Here he is. I said, wow. So I sat down with him. He, we were at a round table. Pastor Sue was there. I was here. He was there. And he starts asking me, so he said, you're a missionary. What kind of missionary are you? And I know how to turn the tables on people. I said, well, you tell me what kind of person are you? I said, do you have a faith? He said, no, 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 no. I'm asking you. I said, yeah, but I'm asking you too. <laughs> he said, what, what, what are you? And then Pastor Sue says, we're Christians. And then I said, spirit-filled Christians. He said, oh, okay, okay, okay. I have some questions for you then, he says. And he looks at me, he said, now, he said, do you believe in drinking? And I said, you gotta be kidding me. I said, I don't put any of my belief in a drink. 
And then he goes, no, 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 I'm saying. I said, look, in my faith, the word of God says everything in moderation. I said, but as far as I am concerned, I don't drink. Because I don't want to be some young person's license to say, oh, Pastor Nancy's doing it. I can do it. I'm not going to be anybody's license. And my life is so happy and full. I don't need it. I got other joys. You know, because I recognize it can become an enemy. And it can capture you. And I don't want to be captured by it. So I stay away from it. But I don't condemn others that do. You understand me? I don't condemn people that do. So he says, I kept telling him. I kept telling him what the word of God says. He didn't care about the word of God. He says, I want to know. I want to know what you do. What you do. I said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, he said, no, but I need to know what you do. I said, this is not going to be a one-way conversation that you get to ask all the questions. I mean, and by the way, what is your name anyway? My name is Loshin. I said, okay, Loshin. He said, yeah, and what's your name? I said, my name is Nancy, and her name is Sue. So I said, then he said, you see all these people in the pool? What do you think about them being dressed like they are? <laughs> and not dressed like they are. I looked at the brother and forgive me, brothers, I just thought it was an interesting. I said, well, I'm noticing that the women have two pieces on their bodies and the men only have one. <laughs> All the women can laugh. That was good, right, Pastor Tony? I said this to him. I said, brother, I said, look. And, and then he went on about that. I said, look. I said, what? And he goes... Well, he said, so this, your God that you worship. I said, yeah. And I said, and you worship Allah? He said, yes. I said, okay. And he says, and which God do you worship? I said, I worship Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, I said, he loves me. He's forgiven me. He talks to me every day. Oh, illogical, illogical, illogical. That's completely illogical. I said, what's illogical? God does not talk. God does not talk. And as soon as, you'll have to forgive me, but as soon as that's, that happened, I said to him, I looked at him, I said, what is illogical is that you will worship a God that doesn't know you and doesn't talk to you. That's what's illogical. No, no, no. God can't talk to you. I said, yeah, he can talk to me. He's talking to me right now. Well, I don't hear him. I said, yeah, and that's the problem. <laughs> you can't hear him, but I can hear him. How do you hear him? I said, he speaks in my mind and he speaks in my heart. Oh, so you're this special person that God talks to. I said, absolutely. He said, no, it's illogical, it's illogical. I said, my brother, man, I've already told you, it's illogical that you worship a God that doesn't communicate with you. See, God knows who I am. I said, but the more important thing is I know who he is. I said, does Allah know who you are? Does he talk with you? Does he guide you every day? not talk. I said, yeah, and that's the problem. But God, the true God, speaks. And it's logical because I can understand him. 
I've told you this because my brothers and my sisters, I said to the Lord, I'm talking about the wars out there. See, I had to be careful not to get into the culture war of what dress can be. I had to be careful to not preach whether you drink or you don't drink or preach what you dress or you don't drink. I had to keep it on the main thing who is the person or I'm going to get captured and I'm not going to be able to tell this man who's telling me it's illogical that God talks to me. No, it's illogical that you serve and worship a God who doesn't talk to you and doesn't know who you are. That's illogical. So he wanted to continue, and I said, and he lives up here in Toronto, by the way. He has a big job with an electric company. He said, I go into your houses of worship and they're empty, you know? I said, yeah, it's very sad. I said, but do you know that for us Christians, we know that we're the church, the people of the church, not the building? Oh, that's crazy. I said, no, that's fact. And then I said, and he looked at me, and I said, Lord, are we done with it? He said, hey, and when I told him, what's illogical is that your God doesn't talk to you, and you don't know, he doesn't know who you are. And then he goes, I need a drink. <laughs> and he gets up, he says, do you want a drink? I said, no, I don't want a drink. And he says, and so when he goes, he says, I'm going to go get a smoke too. I said, Lord, really? You want me to sit here with this guy now? I've told him, I've told him, I've sown the truth in him. I've shared Jesus with him. Do I have to sit here in his smoke? I really don't want to. And Lord, he might have one of those Egyptian things. And Lord, I'll be smelling all the rest of the day. Please help me out here. And the Lord said to me, you must tell him that his blood is on his hands now. And I got shaken because I've never had that happen before and sharing Jesus with somebody that God says his blood is on his hands now that you're not responsible for his blood because you told him about me and me you know I'm like Lord really you want me to be that hard he said you speak my word so when he came back, he said, and I heard him asking the guy, do you have a cigarette? He didn't even have his cigarettes. He was bumming cigarettes, and they didn't have any. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He comes back to the table, and I said, I stood up. I said, Loshin, we've been here for 45 minutes, and I'm here to serve this woman over there. She moved to the other table she had a phone call that came in and I said and I need to get up and go with her and I said but I have to tell you one thing before I leave God tells me to tell you your blood is now on your hands not on mine because I shared with you the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ and I got up I said may God have mercy on you and may you come to the truth that there is a loving Savior who loves you. And I got up and I walked away. We went, we had the conference, came back the last day, days later, came back to that same place. Pastor Sue and I are sitting in the, the dining room area, and all of a sudden, I see him coming. And he comes right to our table, and he comes humbly. And Pastor Sue's back is to him, and I'm seeing him come. And I look, he said, uh, Nancy? Do you remember me? I said, Lo Sheen, how could I ever forget you? <laughs> he 
He said, you remember me? I said, yes. And then before he could say anything, I said, do you remember the last thing I said to you? He said, yes. I said, you need to accept Jesus. He is the son of God. And when you do that, God will speak with you and commune with you and fellowship with you. Take on courage. Take on strength. Don't be a compromised bride. Don't compromise the truth. Don't have sloppy grace. Well, you don't understand. My grandson, he's really a good boy, but he is. You don't understand my granddaughter or my daughter. Yes, they are, and we love them. You love them, you love them all the way to Jesus. But you don't change the black and white. You don't change it. You don't change the word of God. So how does this all sum up? I have to, I'm the one, my husband will say, my wife, she always goes to the end of the book first. I really do. It's not a wise thing to do all the time. But I want to tell you how it all ends in this culture of kings and the kingdom culture of heaven. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except himself knew. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They followed after him on white horses. Now all out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he has on his robe, on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, you worried about the king cultures? You worried about the chaos out there? God has a bride, a people that he's preparing for himself. He's gathering the nations together that proclaim the name of Jesus. So when he executes righteousness and his almighty wrath, you're going to be fine because you are a blood relative of Christ and you have been grafted in with me. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice saying all to the birds that fly in the midst of heaven. Come and gather for the supper of the great God. Talking to the birds that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured. God's people don't get captured. The beast gets captured. And with him the false prophet. No false prophets here. May God ever eradicate any false prophet that attempts to tread in this house. May God save them and have mercy. But if they're not to be the ones extended mercy to, may he take them elsewhere and not here. 
not any church that proclaims the name of Jesus. The beast was captured with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive, the beast and the false prophet. They were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all of the birds were filled with their flesh. But it's not gonna be your flesh. It's not gonna be my flesh. Because God's kingdom is an everlasting people. And you have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Greater things are yet to come and greater things will he yet do. But understand the matter. We are living in perilous times. We are living in times where there's kings of cultures and cultures of kings on every side. But we are the people that belong to the kingdom of heaven. And we are the people who live in the culture of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we bow before your throne. First of all, we pray for Lo Sheen. We ask that you draw him to yourself. That Jesus, just like you revealed yourself to Saul on the road to Damascus, you can reveal yourself to Loshin. And for all of your people that are here in all peoples, for everyone that has shared the message of Jesus and the love of God and the forgiveness that we have in him. Father, I pray that all of their lines would have fish on the end. You said that you would make us fishers of men. Thank you for the patience that you're teaching us to wait for your perfect time, to know when to speak and when to catch them out, just even as your word in James says that you apprehend them like a firebrand out of the fire, hating even the garments smelling with smoke. But you love the sinner. Teach us to love you more. Teach us to love the sinner and not to get captured and make those that you want to save are opponents. They are your children made in your image. Father, I pray that you would console hearts this morning, fathers and mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers, aunts and uncles, where they have friends and family, and when they have neighbors that they're burdened for, give them wisdom to win their souls. And we will all rejoice together bless your people this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name.